0: And ready to get to work. After the most competitive primary in history, the country received a resounding message that Joe was the person to lead us forward. And Joe, I'm so proud to stand with you. And I do so mindful of all the heroic and ambitious women before me whose sacrifice, determination, and resilience makes my presence here today even possible. This is a moment of real consequence for America. Everything we care about, our economy, our health, our children, the kind of country we live in, it's all on the line. We're reeling from the worst public health crisis in a century. The president's mismanagement of the pandemic has plunged us Mm. into the worst economic crisis since the Great Depression. And we're experiencing a moral reckoning with racism and systemic injustice that has brought a new coalition of conscience to the streets of our country demanding change. America is crying out for leadership. Yet we have a president who cares more about himself than the people who elected him. A president who is making every challenge we face even more difficult to solve. But here's the good news. We don't have to accept the failed government of Donald Trump and Mike Pence. In just 83 days, We have a chance to choose a better future for our country. So, Joe, Dr. Biden, thank you for the trust you've placed in me. Jill, I know you will be an incredible first lady. And my husband, Doug, and I are so grateful, grateful to become a part of your extended family. And ever since I received Joe's call, I've been thinking, yes, about the first Biden that I really came to know, and that, of course, is Joe's beloved son, one of his beloved sons, Beau. In the midst of the Great Recession, Beau and I spoke on the phone practically every day, sometimes multiple times a day, working together to win back billions of dollars for homeowners from the big banks of the nation that were foreclosing on people's homes. And let me just tell you about Bo Biden. I learned quickly that Beau was the kind of guy who inspired people to be a better version of themselves. He really was the best of us. And when I would ask him, where would you get that? Where did this come from? He'd always talk about his dad. And I will tell you, the love that they shared was incredible to watch. It was the most beautiful display of the love between a father and a son. And Bo talked about how Joe would spend four hours every day riding the rails back and forth from Wilmington to Washington so he can make breakfast for his kids in the morning and make it home in time to tuck them in bed each night. All of this so two little boys who had just lost their mom and their sister in a tragic accident would know that the world was still turning. And that's how I came to know Joe. He's someone whose first response when things get tough is never to think about himself but to care for everyone else. He's someone who never asks, why is this happening to me? And instead asks, what can I do to make life better for you? His empathy, his compassion, his sense of duty to care for others is why I am so proud to be on this ticket. And Joe and I, yes, we are cut from the same cloth. Family is everything to me, too. And I cannot wait for America to get to know my husband, Doug, and our amazing kids, Colin Ella. Because whether I'm cheering in the bleachers at a swim meet, or setting up a college room dorm, or helping my goddaughter prepare for her school debate, or building Legos with my godson, or hugging my two baby nieces, or cooking dinner, Sunday dinner, my family means everything to me. And I've had a lot of titles over my career and certainly Vice President will be great, but Mamala will always be the one that means the most. And you know, my mother and father, uh, they came from opposite sides of the world to arrive in America one from India and the other from Jamaica, in search of a world-class education. But what brought them together was the civil rights movement of the 1960s. And that's how they met as students in the streets of Oakland, marching and shouting for this thing called justice in a struggle that continues today. And I was part of it. My parents would bring me to protest, strapped tightly in my stroller. And my mother, Shamala, raised my sister Maya and me to believe that it was up to us and every generation of Americans to keep on marching. She'd tell us, don't sit around and complain about things, do something. So I did something. I devoted my life to making real the words carved in the United States Supreme Court, equal justice under law. And 30 years ago, I stood before a judge for the first time, breathed deep, and uttered the phrase that would, that would truly guide my career and the rest of my career. Kamala Harris for the people. The people. That's who I represented as district attorney, fighting on behalf of victims who needed help. The people. That's who I fought for as California's attorney general, when I took on transnational criminal organizations who traffic in guns and drugs and human beings. And it's the people who I have fought for as a United States senator, where I've worked every day to hold Trump officials accountable to the American people. And the people are who Joe and I will fight for every day in the White House. And let me tell you, somebody who has presented my fair share of arguments in court The case against Donald Trump and Mike Pence is open and shut. Just look where they've gotten us. More than 16 million out of work. Millions of kids who cannot go back to school. A crisis of poverty, of homelessness, afflicting black, brown, and indigenous people the most. A crisis of hunger, afflicting one in five mothers who have children that are hungry. And tragically, more than 165,000 lives that have been cut short. Many with loved ones who never got the chance to say goodbye. Yeah, that's the sad part. That's the trauma. It didn't have to be this way. Yeah. Six years ago, in fact, we had a different health crisis. It was called Ebola. And we all remember that pandemic But you know what happened then? Barack Obama and Joe Biden did their job. Only two people in the United States died. Two. That is what's called leadership. Mm. But compare that to the moment we find ourselves in now. When other countries are following the science, Trump pushed miracle cures he saw on Fox News. While other countries were flattening the curve, He said the virus would just, poof, go away. Quote, like a miracle. So when other countries opened back up for business, what did we do? We had to shut down again. This virus has impacted almost every country. But there's a reason it has hit America worse than any other advanced nation. It's because of Trump's failure to take it seriously from the start. Yeah, His refusal to get testing up and running. His flip-flopping on social distancing and wearing masks. His delusional belief that he knows better than the experts. All of that is reason. And the reason that an American dies of COVID-19 every 80 seconds. It's why countless businesses have had to shut their doors for good. It's why there is complete chaos over when and how to reopen our schools. Mothers and fathers are confused and uncertain and angry about childcare and the safety of their kids at school, whether they'll be in danger if they go or fall behind if they don't Trump is also the reason millions of Americans are now unemployed. He inherited the longest economic expansion in history from Barack Obama and Joe Biden. And then, like everything else he inherited, he ran it straight into the ground. Because of Trump's failures of leadership, Our economy has taken one of the biggest hits out of all the major industrialized nations with an unemployment rate that has tripled as of today. This is what happens when we elect a guy who just isn't up for the job. Our country ends up in tatters, and so does our reputation around the world. But let's be clear, this election isn't just about defeating Donald Trump or Mike Pence. It's about building this country back better. And that's exactly what Joe and I will do. We'll create millions of jobs and fight climate change through a clean energy revolution. Bring back critical supply chains so the future is made in America. Build on the Affordable Care Act, so everyone has a peace of mind that comes with health insurance. And finally, offer caregivers the dignity, the respect, and the pay they deserve. We'll protect a woman's right to make her own decisions about her own body. Root out systemic racism in our justice system and pass a new Voting Rights Act, a John Lewis Voting Rights Act that will ensure every voice is heard and every voice is counted. The civil rights struggle is nothing new to Joe. It's why he got into public service. It's why he helped reauthorize the Voting Rights Act and restore unemployment discrimination and employment discrimination laws. And today, he takes his place in the ongoing story of America's march toward equality and justice as only as the only as the only who has served alongside the first black president and has chosen the first black woman as his running mate. But as Joe always points out, this election is about more than politics. It's about who we are as a country. And I'll admit, over the past four years, there have been moments when I have truly worried about our future, but whenever I think that there is a reason for doubt. Whenever I've had my own doubts, I think of you, the American people, the doctors and nurses and frontline workers who are risking your lives to save others, the truck drivers and the workers in grocery stores, in factories, in farms, working there, putting your own safety on the line to help us get through this pandemic. The women and students taking to the streets in unprecedented numbers. The dreamers and immigrants who know that families belong together. The LGBTQ Americans who know that love is love. People of every age and color and creed who are finally declaring in one voice that yes, black lives matter. All across this country, a whole new generation of children is growing up hearing the cries for justice and the chance of hope on which I was raised, some strapped into strollers of their own. And trust me, it's a song you'll never forget. So to everyone keeping up the fight, you are doing something. You are doing something great. You are the heroes of our time and you are the reason i know we are going to bring our country closer to realizing its great promise but to do it we'll need to work organize and vote like never before because we need more than a victory on november 3rd we need a mandate that proves that the past few years do not represent who we are or who we aspire to be joe likes to say that character is on the ballot and it's true When he saw what happened in Charlottesville three years ago today, he knew we were in a battle for the soul of our nation. And together with your help, that's a battle we will win. Earlier this year, I said, I'd do whatever Joe asked me to do. And so now I'm asking you to do the same. So visit JoeBiden.com to get involved in this campaign and vote. Because electing Joe Biden is just the start of the work ahead of us. And I couldn't be prouder to be by his side, running to represent you, the people. Thank you, and may God bless the United States of America. Thank you.
1: America gets its first look at the first woman of color on a national ticket, Kamala Harris. The music is like music you normally would play after an announcement like that, but check that out right there. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on separate sides of the stage in this socially distanced world. There were no hugs, there were no handshakes. Here comes the family. Here comes Kamala Harris's husband, Doug. Joe Biden, again, both wearing masks. Just a bit of a handshake right there. Wow. And hugs for husbands and wives. Joe Biden said her story is America's story. She cast herself as a child of the civil rights movement and Deborah Roberts, she passed on the man.
2: because it would be too difficult for him to rein that in, that he'd be worried about the way Trump would play that in the media, that he would have to fight too hard. Uh, One of the things about Kamala Harris, though, is she has worked with the progressive community before. She gave a whole litany of some of the things that she's done before, but I do agree with Deborah. She talked a little bit about policing, which she needed to do. She talked about Black Lives Matter. She's been one of the most outspoken about the murders of George Floyd and um, Breonna Taylor, and we expect that she will have to answer those questions and I think she will. But most importantly today, she made the case against Donald Trump, and that's exactly why I think he put her on the ticket.
1: She did make the case against Donald Trump, but John Carl, our chief White House correspondent, I was also struck by in some ways how the the script was flipped today. Uh, You saw Joe Biden come out there first, usually you have the vice presidential candidates, the attack dog, the one defending the person at the top of the ticket. Joe Biden, right at the top of his remarks, did exactly the opposite, defended her, took on Donald Trump head on for his attacks against Kamala Harris. It made it clear
3: that the issue number one for the Biden-Harris campaign, uh, the big promise, the big agenda, the big vision, is undoing the damage that they say has been done yeah. to this country by Donald Trump. This was a one-two punch. Most of the message from both of them was a message against Donald Trump, and quite a harsh one. Uh, quite a so You got a taste of, of the way Harris will bring the attack to Donald Trump. Uh, she called him delusional and uh, uh, said that he took uh, the greatest economic expansion in our history that he inherited uh, from Donald uh, Barack Obama and Joe Biden, and like everything else he's inherited, drove it into the ground.
1: And Terry Moran, clearly, they want to make this a referendum on how the president has handled the coronavirus crisis.
3: Uh, And it is the major issue in so many ways, George, and you heard Joe Biden there saying there's been no real leadership, he said, from the president of the United States on how to get this pandemic under control, no real help. And Kamala Harris there, the old prosecutor prosecuting the case with vigor and intensity against Donald Trump's handling of the pandemic, and in part doing so by comparing how the United States has done against our peers in the world. And that is going to be a hard argument for the Trump-Pence ticket. That said, underneath that, it seems to me there's a moral case that the Biden-Harris ticket is making. Uh, Joe Biden raising Charlottesville there, and Kamala Harris also talking about the ideals uh, that the country stands for. Joe Biden saying, "Who are we as a nation? What do we stand for? What do we? Who do we want to be?" And I think with President Trump embracing those who fly the Confederate flag, hailing their heroes, those men who fought against the United States on behalf of racist human slavery, uh, and today on Twitter even saying Cory Booker will be running housing and having low-income housing invade the suburbs. Uh, it's clear that race is on the ballot, not just in the person of Kamala Harris, but in how the President of the United States wants to run this campaign. We'll learn a lot about the country in November.
1: We certainly will. And Rachel, Scott, let me bring you in on this, but hear Kamala Harris talk about Joe Biden's record on civil rights, the struggle of his life, she said, as well, what a change from the first time we saw them on that stage together in the first debate last summer.
2: It really was, George. You know, Senator Kamala Harris was really his toughest critic on that debate stage, now turned his running mate, and she really took him to task, right, on his comments about working with segregationist senators to oppose busing. And she delivered that line that that little girl was me. And she was that little girl that was bused to elementary school in Berkeley, California. She said that her elementary school class was only the second to uh, desegregate there. And we saw a glimpse of Biden's talking points a few weeks ago. And next to her name, he wrote, Do not hold grudges, right? But definitely a different. tone today. And Biden was under so much pressure, not only to pick a woman of color, but to pick a black woman. And this was about meeting the moment, meeting the, 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 the reckoning on race that we are experiencing in this country right now. And he was certainly under a lot of pressure, George, to choose a black woman as his running mate.
1: Thank you, Rachel. Zareen Shah, you've covered Kamala Harris for an awful long time. We learned a little bit more about her today, her background, her parents, her family. Right now, she represents in many ways a real-life modern family.
4: Yeah, George, she really does. I mean, you could just see it from her events right after her Oakland rally. um, Her entire family got on stage. She even calls it like a modern family like the tv show but on that stage it was her her husband um who of course has a jewish background her family um range of backgrounds black southeast asian south asian um she really there's something for everyone when you see her and that's why so many people can connect with her so many uh young people so many people of different backgrounds see themselves in her george
1: okay thank you very much serene i want to bring in matt dowd as well you know matt dowd We're seeing Kamala Harris make history as the first woman of color on a national ticket. Women have been uh, on the ticket as as the vice presidential uh, pick twice before, Sarah Palin with John McCain, Geraldine Farrar with Walter Mondale. In both those cases, they were kind of Hail Mary uh, choices, bold choices, trying to shake up the race. This is a little bit different, even though it's a bold and history-making choice. In some ways, it was also one of the safest choices for Joe Biden. That says a lot about where the Democratic Party and the country are today
5: yeah george the fascinating thing to me about this and in so many ways and especially signifying the division of the country and how divided we are this was both simultaneously a predictable and fake choice because she's been vetted, she's been on the national stage and a bold choice because of the historic nature of it he picked somebody that won automatically made the ticket uh, that joe biden is leading one of racial diversity one of gender diversity and one of generational diversity he picked somebody that embodies the two biggest social movements in the last five years, which is Black Lives Matter and the Me Too movement. And he picks somebody that both is a tough, tough prosecutor and can prosecute a case against Donald Trump and the administration, but also in many ways exudes this tremendous amount of warmth. So she is a paradox in many ways. She is a predictable, safe choice, but she also really is a bold and historical choice.
1: And finally, let's end there. Leah Wright-Regora, professor of politics at Harvard University. There's going to be many battles in these 83 days ahead. But for today, for this moment, it is another barrier broken in America.
4: It's historic. It, I mean, we have the first black woman as vice presidential candidate on a national ticket and the first Asian-American woman as a, as a vice presidential candidate on a national ticket. And the bigger thing, which I think Biden and Harris managed to do today, was about changing the narrative and setting the narrative and setting the stage for these next 83 days. You know, we talked a lot about how there are some fractures within the Democratic Party. There are some issues that uh, uh, Harris in particular has to face with black voters, given her record, and including in the Senate, but also in the prosecutor. But one of the things that they did really well today is they set a narrative that centered around family and around conscience, the conscience of the nation, the conscience of the Democratic Party, and also asking people on the ground who might be critical to hold them accountable and to move forward and to say that the work doesn't end on November 3rd, it it begins, it really does begin. And then also making this a referendum about Donald Trump in ways that the Trump campaign simply hasn't been able to adjust to. They don't know how to handle a Biden-Harris campaign. And so that is what we should be looking forward to, how how Biden and Harris really begin to sculpt the narrative for the presidential election and campaign moving forward. Mm. That is for the
1: next 83 days. We also saw some nuts and bolts politics from both.
6: It is 0% contained. Tonight marks five months since the police shooting that left Breonna Taylor dead in Louisville, Kentucky. Across the country today, radio stations paying tribute to Taylor as her family issued a new call for justice. Here's Gabe Gutierrez.
2: arrest the cop arrest the cop cop.
6: exactly five months after the death of Breonna Taylor Patience is wearing thin in Louisville
2: somehow they can't figure out how to charge some cops who murdered a black woman
6: some protesters are calling for the cancellation of next month's Kentucky Derby
2: we cannot go home we cannot get tired we
4: have to keep
6: The pressure on. Taylor, a 26-year-old former ENT, was shot and killed by police in March. Officers who said they were at the apartment to serve a no-knock warrant returned fire after Taylor's boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, shot at them, thinking they were intruders. One officer was injured. The officers say they announced themselves, which Walker disputes. None of the three cops has been charged. One has been fired. He's not commented publicly. It's
4: been 150 days but it still feels like March 13th. Um, It never gets any easier.
6: Now, Oprah Winfrey has joined the cause, paying for 26 billboards around Louisville, demanding charges.
4: Justice for Brianna means an end
7: to police brutality.
6: Today, dozens of radio stations air a memorial honoring Taylor's life.
7: At this point, it's bigger than Brianna. It's bigger than just black lives.
2: It's, you know, it's about Bridging the gaps between us and the police.
6: Facing mounting pressure, Kentucky's Attorney General met with Taylor's family for the first time this week. Wow. But there's no timetable on when the investigation might wrap up. Wow. Buster- Gabe Gutierrez tonight, thank you. And next, why some schools are
7: changing the history books. Wow. Five months. Five months, y'all. Five months. When they have all the records and everything by now, and they're still trying to determine to charge the cops. Wow, this is what we have come come to. A very seldom. uh, Good morning, y'all. What's up? I ain't been on here a while. Uh, Um, just praying for families, man. I mean, it's like if I don't see it on the social media. I'm experiencing myself that people checking out of here. I don't blame them. I wake up sometimes and say, Lord, I'm still here? What, what, what's up with this? <laughs> I, I must not be ready then. <laughs> what I need to put in place <laughs> to be ready? <laughs> you know, you know that's just my little human conversation with my father. You know, he chuckles. The Spirit of God... Chuckles with me to encourage me. He encouraged me and strengthened me, so I can come and encourage you and strengthen you. Um, I'm telling you guys, I, <laughs> it's a whole different world. I'm in a whole different world, the end times are literally here. Well, as a matter of fact, it's just the beginning of it, but it's here. And we just, we have to make, do with what we have because (laughs) they were saying the unemployment rate has decreased. I guess so it's decreased. (laughs) Since July 31st at 12 a.m., of course it decreased. I mean, 11.59 p.m., yeah, it's going to decrease because no more unemployment benefits to help people. In this in this country. Hardworking people. As a matter of fact, that's our money that we didn't work to put in the system anyway. So I'm trying to find out why it's such a big problem for them to honor what they was doing. And I finally figured it out how they did this. And it didn't matter if you had money left in your account or whatever. 11-59, July 31st, they, um, what they call it? Um... They locked the online submission. And then when you call, they give you two numbers. One call, they're going to check and see where you stand, and you just have to wait. And then the other number is for new application, which they're not taking. They'll sit here and take all your information. But they're going to let you know right off back Um It's still pending. It's going to be pending. And like the young lady said on the news, they had interviewed her. Her whole family was working at the stadium last year, not no more unemployment benefits, right? <laughs> now what? And I just pray that the individuals who received the extra money really took time out and made sure that certain utensils and your living needs was taken care of. And not just go spinning, spend minute spinning, spend it, spend it, because you had some extra money. You know, sad to say a lot of people did that. But then they had some that really had to pay catch up, like me. You had to pay catch up. Because you had to wait. You had to wait to start receiving your payments, Right? missing. And once you start and then once you got your money, you had to go and pay up what was due that was late. So you really just like broke even. But overall, you guys, We gotta trust him in the Father in the middle of all of this. We gotta trust in our Daddy God. Only He brings us through this. Too tight.
2: is going to be too tight.
7: We are preparing to go to the beach. Way off somewhere. And I guess i am make a nice on I take this off. <laughs> oh, I seen it all. Mm-hmm. There's nowhere to go but up when you up. On, boom. Yeah. the I know I had to put on my sleep around sound <laughs> <laughs> that bass. <laughs> oh.
6: Time's running.